Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two in our Pitfalls and Errors in Body CT, what they are and how to avoid them. Now, we're going to look at some of the things that are a source of error and some of the things that are so easy to do to help prevent errors. So let's look at the first question. Do you need to look at a full field of view on a CT scan, and if so, when? Well, the answer is, truthfully, you always need to look at the full field of view. Now, where this question comes up, of course, is in cardiac CTs, be it for coronary CTA or calcium scoring. And then I'm just going to mention the spine, and I'll show you why I'll mention that. Now, there was an argument, I remember, initially when cardiac CT first came along, the cardiologists who couldn't read CTs, barely could read the coronary CTs at that point, did not want to have to look at the lung fields. And the argument was, hey, we ordered a coronary. No one asked you to look at the lung fields. It's inappropriate. Some of you may remember one of the vendors, I believe it was Philips, actually developed a scanner where it blocked out everything outside the heart so you couldn't see it if you wanted to. Well, that didn't last long. There was lots of arguments. And the uh, powers to be concluded that since you had scanned the entire chest, you need to look at it because incidental findings could be very important. So this patient with chest pain for a triple rule out, you're going to target the images because it gives you the highest spatial resolution for looking at the coronary arteries. And here you see some plaque in the patient's right coronary artery. That's all fine and good. But if you only had the targeted images, you would not have seen the mass in the right lower lung, which was the patient's real problem, a lung cancer. Remember, patients who are getting coronary scans are typically over 50, though sometimes now over 45 or 40 even. But it's the same age of patients who have lung cancer, be it due to smoking or just incidental lung cancer. And of course, if you only had the targeted images, you would have missed it. So look how nicely you can see the mass in the right lower lung. It was a lung cancer resected and the patient did fine. So full field of views are mandatory. You have to look at the entire lung. Now this was a triple rule out, so we had the entire lung field. If you're doing a coronary only, You'll only have part of the chest, but typically that really is about 60 to 70% of the lung volume, and that's maybe not 100%, but it's good enough. Now, I bring this up in terms of the spine. I remember when we were arguing about doing the coronaries only versus looking at the whole chest, we made the point that said, hey, we're radiologists, we look at everything. And then I remembered the lumbar spine. Remember, we target the spine and don't do field of view. One of the reasons is, again, you want higher spatial resolution, but there's no reason you shouldn't look at the entire abdomen. And this article by Lee made the point that when you did full field of view on lumbar spine CT, there was a small number of substantial extraspinal pathological findings, as well as some benign, but there were very important findings. Extraspinal findings were present in 40% of adult outpatients undergoing lumbar spine CT exams for low back pain, most of whom had classified these findings as benign and not requiring further workup. But there were things that were important. And also, to be able to see them, you needed to have the full field of view images. So what kind of findings were there? Well, not a surprise. Renal masses, be it TCC or RCC, 
leukemia, sarcoid, abdominal aortic aneurysms. So in 4% of the patients, they found something that was significant that would have not been recognized if you didn't do the full field of view imaging. It's very important if you're doing a targeted lumbar spine to reconstruct the entire abdomen and have someone, if you can't do it, have someone else look at the patient's abdomen. In that regard, what about the topogram or scout view? Those of you who've been around for a while remember the old days of film. When you did film the technologist, the first image on the film was always the topogram or scout view without the lines. And the last image was the topogram or scout view with the lines. And because you were reading it on film, be it 8 by 10 or 14 by 17, you always started in the upper left-hand corner and finished in the bottom right, so you always looked at those scout views. Well, now you typically don't because on PAX you need to open the scout view separately. Well, it's important to look at the scout view. In this patient where this artifact was felt to be retained barium in the colon, and when you looked at the topogram, it was obviously a ring and a ring that was attached to a sponge that was left behind. Now you can argue, well, you should have recognized there wasn't barium, there was no other high densities anywhere, the patient wasn't given barium, and maybe if you looked at the coronals, you will see things better. But you can see a quick look at that topogram at start of study would have prevented all of the problems. Or this patient with post-op fever, again, presumed retained barium, and then you look at the topogram and yes, that's a retained metal malleable retractor. I know it's large, but those things happen. Not anymore, typically, because we do better counting. But again, this was read a few times as just retained barium, and it's obviously a foreign matter that was easy to see on the patient's topogram. Now, we thought the answer was going to be yes, you need to look at it. And Leonard Berlin wrote this article, and he asked us the question, do you need to look at the topograms on every case? And the reason he um, asked me this question, there was a legal case, and this is not confidential because it was an article published eventually in AJR, where a child had fallen and a CT scan was done and did not see any fracture or bleed. So nothing was read as normal. A few hours later, the patient uh, seized and died. What was missed was a skull fracture. Now, when you look at the CT scan, it was one of those skull fractures in a child that's hard to see. It wasn't displaced. But if you looked at the topogram, there was obviously a displacement of the fracture. When they asked the radiologist at the trial, how could he have missed that? He said, well, we don't look at topograms. Well, that wasn't a good answer. It was settled for several million dollars. Now, what we did, and this was a wonderful study because Bob Gaylor and Bill Scott, two of the world's best plain film radiologists, looked at 2,032 straight scout views to look for findings that might be on the scout or topogram. Now, sometimes, of course, you're going to see something on the topogram and you're going to see it on the CT, so that wouldn't matter. But remember, you do an abdominal CT, the topogram considerably larger. Maybe you see some of the chest. Maybe you see some of the bony structures that aren't in the field of view. And it ends up that the CT scout view showed a finding in up to 23% of cases, usually in the anatomic region imaged by CT. So there was no problem. Though, as I showed you with that retained foreign matter, it would have been helpful to have a scout view. 
But in up to 2% of cases, the abnormality seen on the scout view was not included in the CT field of view. And so you have to look at everything because those 2% of the time, that information may indeed be very critical. Now, Dr. Berlin uh, commented on our article and made the point that there were no written guidelines for looking at the topogram, but the answer is you should. And although 2% may seem low, if you had 85 million patients undergoing CT, then as many as 1.7 million patients may have an abnormal finding not seen on the CT, but seen on the scout view. So it indeed is very important. And the conclusion was the findings of the article supported the routine review of the scalp view when interpreting a CT scan, reasonable medical practice, logic, and medical legal as well as ethical considerations confirmed their conclusion. There was a subsequent article by Dr. Daphner, scalp views are an integral part of any CT exam and should be carefully reviewed for findings that may or may not be included in the field of view of the study. And again, uh, another article by Itchery made the same point. The scalp views are important, and perhaps in a radiology template, you should have something that says scalp view and said, I looked at the scalp view, I saw this, I saw that, or I saw nothing. So every article focuses on the need to do the scalp view. You need to look at it. I know it's not going to help all that frequently, but maybe once a day or once every other day it will help. Sometimes it will clarify things, and it only takes a moment to look at. Again, perhaps the PAX vendors should have the topogram open as the first image and not just basically something in the chest or something in the abdomen. Now, what I'd like to now do is get more specific, look at certain specific topics, look at some of the pitfalls and some of the ways around it. So the first one is bladder cancer. Over 72,000 new bladder cancers in the U.S. every year. Most are TCCs, others are squamous cell and adenocarcinoma. Now, I'm not talking about bladder cancer when the patient has hematuria. You're going to find that. And I'm not talking about bladder cancer for staging when you know they have a bladder cancer. I'm talking about a purely incidental finding. How often is bladder cancer an incidental finding on a CT scan? And if so, how often do you miss it? What's the legal liability of missing a bladder cancer early? And what do you look for on CT for the routine evaluation of the bladder on a contrast-enhanced CT so you don't miss an incidental bladder cancer? Now, where I first came into this issue was this patient. This is an outside scan, and MedKai, the medical legal group in Maryland, asked me to look at the scan and just give my opinion because this case was going to go to court. This was a patient who had acute abdomen. The radiologist, you can see the patient cannot get IV contrast, read the descending colon is thickened and said there was ischemic colitis, which there was, but they didn't notice on that scan done two o'clock in the morning, there was something in the bladder right there. And sure enough, a couple years later, the patient had some back pain. There was a bone med and you can see the bladder mass and it's larger. This was an incidental bladder cancer, not exactly a small one, but it makes the point even without contrast, you could potentially see a bladder cancer. One of the things we found 
is we all do lots of CTAs. Aortas are good examples. The bladder's distended. You're looking for TAVR. You're looking for aneurysms, follow-up aneurysms, rule out dissections. But you're doing arterial phase imaging and you're scanning through the bladder. Small bladder cancers are typically vascular, enhancement up to about 90 or 100 Hounsfield units, but they stand out against the urine. Any enhancement of the bladder wall or any nodule off the bladder wall should be investigated further. Yes, sometimes it could be inflammatory, but unless proven otherwise, those small enhancing lesions are always bladder cancer. Do not assume a zone of subtle bladder enhancement is of no clinical significance. Assume it is. If you're not certain from the axial, coronals or sagittals can help. Look at this example. Look at this patient's lesion. This is at five millimeters, but there it is, a bright dot at about 12 o'clock in the bladder. Here it is in the sagittal view. Again, very obvious. It's small, but that's a bladder cancer. There's nothing else it could be. Another example, we're doing a vascular study. You see the iliac vessels and femoral arteries are very bright. There's a lesion by the right UV junction standing out against the urine in the bladder. What's really nice is, even though it's enhancing only to about 80 Hounsfield units, it stands out against the urine, which is about 10 Hounsfield units. It shows very nicely, and here it is on the coronal. Again, my point is, if it's real, you're going to see it on coronal and sagittal, but axial and coronal work very nicely in this regard. And here it is, if you waited long enough, the bladder is now filled with contrast, and the lesion is shown either on the early phase or on the later phase imaging. Now, the lesions could be a bit larger even. Here's one at about 3 o'clock. That's a mass, left bladder wall. Here it is on the axial and then the coronal. And here it is on the arterial phase. And here it is if you would have waited for the late phase to show the lesion. So bladder cancers can be seen early and can be seen late. The issue is you're not looking for bladder cancer in a patient where the history is not hematuria. So our point is and our recommendation is Always look at the bladder. You can spend just a few seconds looking, but look for something enhancing. If you see something enhancing, it's going to be a tumor. In this article by Ramon, the presence of a discrete bladder mass or nodule should be considered suspicious for malignancy. In many cases, such lesions may be better appreciated on early phase images when surrounded by low attenuation urine, particularly when the lesion is avidly enhancing, like the cases I showed you. In other words, although TCC has typically been regarded as a hypovascular tumor, these lesions get to 90 or so Hounsfield units routinely, and against urine, they really are hypervascular. So again, high suspicion will allow you to pick up many small lesions. When we went back, we noticed over time we missed some cases. We've seen outside cases miss routinely. Now we haven't had that issue anymore because all of us know to look at the bladder very carefully. Now the last thing I'll mention, another potential error, is pulmonary embolism. Now the reason we talk about this as an error, when we look at studies like the abdomen, you tend to look at the chest or whatever bit of chest you have sort of very quickly. And usually you'll be looking with lung windows to make sure there's no lung nodule. 
if you look at the soft tissues, you're just looking for nodes perhaps. But what you have to do, particularly in oncology patients, is look very carefully to make sure the patient doesn't have a small PE. You have to look very, very carefully. Now, one potential error is when you want to look for small PEs, you want 0.75 millimeter thick sections. Often you're looking at three millimeter thick sections or some people even five. So that's one source of error. But again, not thinking about the possibility of pulmonary embolism is going to be the issue. And we particularly see this in patients whose tumors do lend themselves to getting PEs, for example, pancreatic cancer. High index of suspicion. Remember, in an oncology patient, up to 5% of patients have unsuspected pulmonary embolism. And the second thing I'll tell you to do is always look at the thin sections through the chest. Here's just a few examples. This is the highest scan. Here I see it nicely. Evidence of pulmonary embolism. Patient's right lower lung. Here it is in the coronal view, very nicely seen as well. Right there and there. Another example, again, abdominal CT. There's the PE right at the base. Another important thing is widen the windows. If the vessel is too bright, you're not going to see the thrombus present. Here, as you widen the window, you can see it very nicely. There was an article by Lim and Charlie White that made the point about missed PEs and abdominal CT that you need to look very carefully. When the requisition is rule out PE and you have the entire chest, you're very careful and your miss rate is probably very low on current scanners. But if you're doing an abdominal CT, you're not thinking about PE, and that's when you can miss PE. Again, it's when the lungs are not the primary target. It's the abdomen that's the target, but you need to look carefully and make certain you're not missing a pulmonary embolism. Now, let's go to stomach, but before we do, let's stop here, let's take a break, and let's come back. So we've gone through a number of different things We've gone through some of the basic principles, full field of view, looking at the tope. We looked at how easy it is to miss a bladder lesion. We looked at how easy it is to miss a PE on an abdominal CT. And we're going to keep going through a number of these different scenarios, including looking at the stomach and looking at the kidneys and looking how to avoid those errors. And with that, see you soon. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.